0: Okay. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's you, Diana Diana Black, for introduction. Uh, We're all holistic counsellors and psychotherapists here on the South Coast, um, based around the Milton, Aladulla, and Lake Tabari area. Chad, I've got you there as well. Chad Taylor, how are you? Yeah, good day. Nice to see the
1: sun you. shining, The sun is shining. The water's nice and warm.
0: I'm great. It doesn't sound like you've got too, too much of a, vic- a victim mentality going on there, Chad.
1: <laughs> no, consciously not today. I haven't.
0: So I guess before I, I let you guys take over a little bit more, let's introduce today's session as one about uh, the... Different, the different roles that we can adopt um, consciously or otherwise in, in relationship when it comes to things not going quite so well. Last time, last week, we spoke about uh, some of the things, particularly getting amongst nature that we can do together that help us in, in relationship, that contribute positively to relationships. Um, today, we're, we're going to the other end of the spectrum and we're going to place ourselves in that state of relationship, which is a little bit itchy, and tacky, a little bit irksome or a little bit elevated or a hell of a lot elevated. When the emotions are not running evenly, they're running higher than what we like and they're not feeling good. Um, we tend to take, take a, a position um, which is either towards being the one that's, that's the victim, that is blaming the other person um, or, or occasionally we take the high ground and say, okay, well, I'm totally responsible for this coming into my life um, through how the other person may have uh, brought that to me, so kindly of them, and, um, and, yeah, allow that to be an opportunity for growth. Di, I think I'll, I'll start with you this morning straight up, if, if you're comfortable with that, and, and see if you've got anything you'd like to take over from that, that introductory statement.
2: Um maybe go on to Chad yet. My brain seems to be a bit not responding at the moment.
0: <laughs> right. I love that
2: authenticity.
0: Yeah, I love that's so great to be able to speak our truth. That's the perfect answer. Thank you. Chad.
1: Well I guess it's a it's such a large question, especially just Opened like that, you know. What are your thoughts on this? Because I could probably take up the whole session telling you my thoughts on this, which I won't.
0: How, how do you avoid being the victim? What What's your go to position in avoiding that that being a victim? Because that sucks. Being being the victim sucks. We don't want that. I feel like that's fair to say.
1: I guess the short answer would be consciousness to be conscious and aware of what I'm feeling and what I'm experience, experiencing in the moment is really the only antidote that I see of being the victim. It's... Because um, it's all unconscious patterning for most of us. You know, they say by the time we're 35, we're acting 95% unconsciously in the world in other words, just acting on autopilot. And the same thing happens, I believe, in relationships and arguments. You know, we, we see it from our own reality. We see it from our own own state of consciousness and, and where we are in the world. But we also see it from all our conditioning up to that point in life. You know, there was um, there's been studies and studies and studies over time. You know, and the one that comes to mind is you know the the study of Pavlov and Pavlov's dogs, you know and, and how our body responses kick in way before our thinking actually has to even tell or before we're aware that our thinking has driven those responses. So when when we may, may be in an argument with somebody, it's almost like our body is is experiencing every argument we've had before and then that's where the reaction comes from, you know, and, and with intimate relationships, which is what we seem to be covering mostly in this podcast, you know, Carl Jung says that, you know, unconsciously most of us are trying to heal the wounds of our opposite partner-parent through relationships throughout our lives unconsciously. So in other words, men, men are seeking their mother and women are seeking their father and we don't know we're doing that. And what we're trying to do is unconsciously, you know, on this journey of life, trying to heal those wounds that were set up in childhood. But the problem is we don't know we're, we're doing that. Well, most of us don't know we're doing that until we delve into these conversations, which, you know, really isn't the majority of the eight billion on the the planet. You know, I don't generally go to a family barbecue and start talking about Pavlov's dog or how Carl Jung said that. You know, when we choose a partner, we're trying to heal childhood wounds. It's not the... It's not the currency of conversation, but it is the currency of conversation, I believe, to a certain amount of people who become aware that they don't want to keep repeating those same behaviours. And probably I, I believe, from my experience working with clients, that the, the victim mentality is probably the hardest one to break. You know, and and, and the thing I'll finish on here is saying they say whatever we repress, we act out in other ways. So I worked in domestic violence for a long time. And if you spoke to most of the men in those courses that I ran, you know, violent men, men that were court ordered to run programs, to, to, to attend programs for one, um, they would almost all play the victim, you know, even though some of their crimes were were pretty violent, you no. Know? lighting setting pe- throwing petrol on the bed and lighting it up and kidnapping and, and all these things. But they would, you know, if they were to be put on a lie detector, they would honestly tell you they were the victim. So for me it's um it's a topic that I love. I love to work with, with clients and I love to talk about because you know and, and if I'm completely truthful I don't think there's many of us on the planet that haven't struggled with it ourselves. We've only got to go and listen to a conversation, you know. It's almost like he said, she said, you know. Just sit in a cafe and and look over and it's thought, you know, someone's always whinging about their boss and someone's always whinging about it could be the weather or it could be COVID, could be their wife. It's almost like the other person is in the wrong, and they are in the right, and that's how I believe we create that victim mentality. So that, that to me, hopefully, kickstarts what we're about to talk about. But that's kind of what came to my to my direct consciousness just then.
2: A lot, a lot in there, Chad. Lots in there. Do you want me to respond to that, Dean, or have you got something fresh off the top of your head? Or? Uh,
0: I'd love you to respond to that. I, um, I just, as a side note, I can imagine people listening to what you just said, Chad, in, um, in a state of awe at the clarity that, that you bring to this subject with that, with that compressed statement. That was, um, it was, there it was, it was, it was, it was a lot and it was all encompassing, but it also hit a lot of nails on the head. Thanks, Di. I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, well, that that victim mentality I think is something we would all naturally fall into if we found ourselves in conflict in a relationship. And because primarily, you know, we are all concerned with our own journey, we're all big egos, and it takes a lot to actually step outside your own needs and your own um, perceptions to see another person clearly enough, to see their journey and their experience, and it's really hard. I keep saying this. People think, oh, we'll get married, we'll do this, we'll do that, but it, it is the hardest journey you will ever take is to actually love one other person properly because it means you have to surrender your own needs and compromise and actually step outside your own limited perception and experience to be able to even see another person and hear them. And I think that is where education comes in and, and, you know, Chad's thing is conscious, always become conscious. You know, that's always the answer to everything, become conscious. Mine is education, education. You know, you have to be taught these things. We can't just roll along. And people who've had parents who are lucky enough to have had parents who communicate and are on the same team and have the same values and bring their children up without that conflict have a fairly confident, safe way of looking at the world usually. Um, Their imprinting which from childhood, which you were talking about, the the conditioning in the Pavlov's dog, which if people don't know about that, that was a an experiment where um, Pavlov fed a dog every time he rang a bell and then he understood what happened with conditioning, classical conditioning. And so that the dog eventually all he had to do was ring a bell and the dog did whatever he wanted because he knew he was going to get a reward. So this is how we're brought up in society. And if we have parents who have taught us from childhood to think about another person, to go consider another's feelings, then they are going to have a better run at relationships than somebody who's got two parents who are just out of control, you know, thinking about themselves all the time and not not able to model that, that calm... Communication that can solve, or even fights that can be resolved in front of the children. We've talked about that before, too. To not be so kids can grow up. I think I mentioned that once before. My parents used to close the bedroom door. So I was terrified when I saw my father angry with mum because I thought that was the end of the relationship. And the same with me when I first hit conflict in relationship was just, I'm out of there, you know. But I think the ego thing and the fear. I was thinking before, um, the biggest fear I've had in relationships is of losing myself in the other person and losing my own journey. And if you can, but it always still comes back to education, you know, that that's something in counselling with couples. If they can somehow pull on... Why they, why they met? What ha- that incredible high love they had that drew them together in the first place? Unless it's just some mistake and bumbled along. If they actually were pulled with that incredible intensity, then they've got the hope of actually being able to go back with help from a facilitator and see what they saw in each other and re celebrate. <coughs> that relationship over and over. But as Chad said, if there's so much, if there's conflict in their relationship with their caregiver, their initial caregivers, they're always going to be responding and possibly attract partners that um, help them finish that growth, you know. And I think there's no wrong relationship. So there's no wrong or right, you know, you go into a relationship and it could be the hardest thing you've ever done and you're battling and some people just push your buttons but maybe they're meant to push those buttons so that you can finish that process and and ideally it would be wonderful if you both helped to see that that's what you were doing that's where counseling comes in you know but if you can both reflect on your own childhood patterns which is really hard work that's where you've got to do some work with a therapist and maybe do a biography of your life and start to see you know you get a little bit of enlightenment about your own journey then maybe you can go oh when you know instead of working on automatic you can actually start to go hang on have some rules to communicate by and so that you can hear one another. I think I've rambled on long enough. I'll let you guys go on now. Cause like it's funny, isn't it? You just start and then suddenly it's like
0: <laughs> Yeah, we, we started with the uh, with the premise of talking about what it is to be a victim and how to avoid that. And it feels like what what's happened here is we're talking about everything that um relationships are about, which is the challenges and the growth that come from them. At least that's how I I frame it. And, you know, i like to employ that with the all-encompassing premise that, that love is at our core and that we're all coming together to try and remove these layers of, um, uh, you know, try and avoid using the word karma too much. I'm just going to use it right now. Try and avoid, try and remove these layers of, of karmic imprinting or conditioning as you guys have called it, um, to to reveal this this core of love that we are and that we of course can all be and therefore share. Um in a really, really brief summary, I normally remain highbrow and (laughs) confusing in, in this dialogue. What I'm gonna say now is that in a in a go to practical guide, I'll see what comes out as I say it and I better just pause for a moment so I don't blurt anything out too quickly but if i find and this is what i recommend for others i think if i find myself in conflict in a position where i could potentially take that um take on that role of the victim so if i find myself in conflict having an argument for instance uh with a partner that i'm in an intimate relationship with what i consider it to be ideal and this is just going to wrap up a few of the things that you guys have said or everything that you guys have said is is with my my highest consciousness so with as much of my present awareness to slow things down to to use that present awareness in that moment that I'm in conflict and and become aware not only of everything that's I'm considering is happening to me, but more so become aware of how essentially my body or the body, mind and soul or whatever you want to frame it as, what, what my experience is in my feeling and percept- perception body, what's happening within me in the context of, of that moment. Um, and if I'm presently aware enough, if we can be presently aware enough, we can we can see our emotions rising we can see our our head fogging potentially we can see our anger rising ready to spit back vitriol or whatever it might be ready to go to war or to tail to run out the door ready to freeze and never speak ever again and if we can use that awareness to understand that that's in us as you guys have said that's from us within us that's that's part of our karmic conditioning that's brought us to that point and you know flipping it having the most deep sense of gratitude that once again this opportunity has arisen that we've invited to um to to grow from how we actually in the moment strategize that is going to be a moment to moment thing depending on the scenario um you know the, the recommendation i make for all of us is to to potentially just step out of each other's energy, politely, respectfully, um, using clear communication that what I'm going to do right now, because I'm blaring out, <laughs> because I'm having a personal experience that is my shit, I actually need to, to just take time out and process what's happening so I can actually learn um, more about myself, so I can bring more to you. And what I do is couple that with, when the opportunity feels right for us, again, contextualizing this in the, into the relationship scenario where we're arguing I'd love to learn more about where you're coming from. As I learn more about where I'm coming from and what my are, I learn more with my deepest empathy and compassion as to what your causes and conditions are that brought you to this experience of, of, of what you're experiencing alongside me. right now, we're sharing this. And we can come together and learn more about each other, but I do feel like it's it's necessary to step out of that fight or flight, the freeze, whatever we want to call it, and and take check and, and come back into a sense of equanimity again um, within ourselves, having learned what we can to be able to bring that to the other and to learn from the other. In the same the same scenario, if if we're evolved and conscious enough to apply the education, the teachings die. Um, and the meditations that allow us to embed this, to integrate this, um, to, to further our relationships. That's what it's all about. That's how we peel off the layers and reveal love. And, fuck, what a rejoice that's going to be. What a rejoicing, beautiful thing can be. Wow, there you go. I <laughs> said so it wasn't going to be complicated nor convoluted. I think it was both. Ah, uh, Chad, um, let me ask you a specific question this morning. Have you got, have you got a go-to yourself in that, in that moment where you feel your body really wanting to um, do something that's beyond your control when you actually enter that, you know, that, um, that state in argument, which we all do? What, what happens for you? What do you do? What do you suggest?
1: I guess that's, um, you know, I didn't explain the Pavlov's dog theory in in my opening um, part of the conversation, but I guess it's to me it's about, well, I'll just cover that quickly where I was going with that. So the Pavlov's dog theory was that, you know, Pavlov realised that when the dogs were sitting down, he'd bring a bowl of food out had machine hooked up to him and that actually salivate. So there was actually a physiological experience going on inside the dog below the level of the awareness or the thinking that created this salivation. And that was one part of it. And then the next step was he'd bring out the bowl of food, but he'd also ring a bell. And he did that for a period of time. And then he got to a point where he could actually just ring the bell and the dogs would salivate. So where I've gone with that, Di and you both sort of brought that out anyway, just probably because I would put it into the energy field here, was that until I actually know what's going on inside my body in the present moment, I've got no chance of of catching it in an argument. I I would dare Mm say most of us... You know, Jung talks about, you know, we've got these four kind of parts of ourselves and the main two dominant ones are the thinking and the feeling. And where we're strong in one, we generally be weak in other. You know, it'd be like going to the gym and just doing arms all day and then you see these guys that are really muscly and then they've got these tiny little legs, you know. And there's, there's even memes around it about, you know, don't skip leg day with with pictures of these little chicken legs. So where I'm going with that is that, in the, Western, in the Western world, we don't actually encourage any development of the feeling function. It's almost, you know, and we've talked about this way back in the start of our podcast last year, it's almost like, you know, shake it off, you'll be right. I don't want to hear how you're feeling and let's get on with it. So we repress, most of us repress that feeling function. And it's all in the thinking, you know, and and I love what Di said about education because it is education but then it's also for me it's got to be then that education has to then turn into experience, you know, and and I speak to my clients a lot about this stuff. You know, it's almost like I'm I'm a male, you know, I I could dedicate 10 years to my life to study what it's like giving birth to a child. You know, I could read every book. I could watch every video. I could go and, you know, be in a hospital and and watch women give birth. I could even probably become a midwife. You know, I'm not sure how many women would want me there as a midwife because, you know, again, same way the dog salivated with the bell, there'd be this unconscious feeling below the level of thinking, knowing that I can actually never give birth to a child. So the education really, I could never sit there and, and tell somebody what it's like to give birth to a child. As all I can do is I can sit there and tell them what I've read, what I've watched, what I've seen other people do. You know, and and I actually did an assignment on on back when I was studying fair psychotherapist about, you know, the experience of eating a banana. You know. Until we eat that banana, we actually don't have an experience of eating the banana. Like how, how would we actually even describe what a banana would taste like to somebody? You know, there's really nothing in the world that to me that I could even compare it with. You know, maybe I could say it was a bit pasty and I I don't even know where. I was. So I guess for me. I, I am coming back to your question, Dean, but what I'm saying is until we start to develop that feeling function, there's no way I believe I'm going to be able to catch myself in the moment in an argument, you know, and that, and that had a lot to do with, with the courses I ran for domestic violence with men. You know, we really went through 20 weeks of, you know, trying to identify, you know, the volcano eruption is anger what's below the anger, you know, and we draw on whiteboards, you know, it could be anxiety, it could be jealousy, it could be worry, it could be fear. You know, anger's the end result but there's so much building up and, and the awareness these guys got, you know, some may have changed, some may not, you know, like it takes a lot, like this education process into ourselves takes a lot. So for me, it's all about if I'm in tune with my feelings then i'll feel what's going on i'll feel that i'm not acting accordingly and i'll feel what's coming at me it's almost like it's a game of tennis i can feel the i can feel the energy coming towards me and what i want to do unconsciously is i want to quickly throw it back it's almost like we get angry as a child and we use physical violence and some of us never grow out of that some men are 60 years old and they get angry and they can't deal with their own emotions they can't deal with that energy so they quickly fire it back in a physical in a physical action to try and get rid of it to alleviate ourselves from it, and that's that's in a way what happens in an argument. So for me, it's almost identified. Of, okay, well, I've got this energy going on here. Am I going to fire it at this person, or am I going to consciously realise what's going on in me, and then explain it to this person with the education that I talked about? I'm feeling. I feel. You know that that simple, and I think we might have touched on that earlier. That simple statement of "I feel" can diffuse so many arguments because nobody can ever tell you how you can feel. Big difference if I said "you make me feel," you know, but if I say "I feel" and leave it at that, nobody can ever take that away from me. So yeah, a um, bit of a bit of a roundabout way to answer that direct question, Dean, but. And and that's where the practice of meditation, journaling, reading psycho spiritual books, doing doing education, all that, you know, it might be it might be that one thing that you listen to that you think you've heard it. You might hear it in a different way. A different speaker might say it in a different way, and, and it hits. And and I had that experience the other day on quantum quantum theory. You know, I'm a bit interested in quantum theory, but I don't get a lot of it. I listen to an audio book and he said it in a completely different way, and I got it. And you know what that meant? I felt it, those tingles, that aha moment that we talk about, you know. So the education needs to then, to me, needs to be followed with with that experience, and then I can practice it, you know, because life, to me, life is a game. You know, I've got to practice. I've got to practice how to be mindful. I've got to practice how to how to catch myself in an argument. And it might be after the event and then I make an apology. And then hopefully once I've done that enough, then I might move it to during the event where I'm, I'm actually reacting and I realise and I, I back off in, in the argument. And then, you know, we can all, with enough practice, we can all get to a point where we almost crystal ball what's going to happen before we open our mouths because we've caught the energy and then we can do something about that. And that, to me, is, is why I love what we do here as psychotherapists, you know. And, and that's what I meant by that statement of of consciousness being the answer to everything. You know, Einstein said, you know, we, we can't solve a problem with the same consciousness consciousness that created it. So if if I'm if I'm salivating through a bell ringing, and I don't know I'm salivating through a bell ringing then I've got to realise that, you know, I'm actually salivating through the bell and there's no food there yet. Maybe hopefully I can get to a point where I'll wait until the food comes and then I'll be in awe of it. The bell just won't set me off unconsciously.
2: So actually what you're saying, what we actually then would have to do if the conditioning is that deep that we have no hope of of blocking that automated response, Then you need to reprogram. This is where neuro biofeedback. So you have actually have to. There's a saying which I say to clients is fake it till you make it, because sometimes it just works. You know what I mean? If your partner's coming home and you're just going, as soon as they get in the door and the fight starts or whatever, or whatever, however the fight starts, um, then you've got to somehow change your behavior so if instead you consciously which is where you have to be taught say to the give a give the person a hug and a kiss even if you don't feel it i mean it's not authentic but even if you explain to them that you're trying to set a new physical pattern just by just by changing one little bit of your behavior all you can do is change your own behavior and the response will change so all you can do is change yourself and then that is the only way they will respond differently. So instead of yelling at them try just saying hi, how was your day or giving them a hug or whatever you can do that's not too fake and and that will change the whole mood of the the next moment. So it's basically and with with serious issues like you okay all righty Okay, it looks like we're, we've got to wind up now. So, um, anyway, that's all, all I have to say. I'll let you go, Dean. Finish with up.
0: Ten seconds to go. Let's let's own our own shit. Let's lead by example. Let's consciously evolve for the sake of not only ourselves but the the other that we're in relationship with and with everyone. Thanks so much, Diane Chad.
2: Bye.
1: Thank you.